DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents A Sister of St. Therese, Servant of God, Leonie Martin, Bearer of Hope, with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, a religious community dedicated to retreats and spiritual direction according to the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He is featured on several series found on the Eternal Word television network. He's also the author of numerous books on the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, as well as other works focused on aspects of the spiritual life. A Sister of St. Therese, Servant of God, Leone Martin, Bearer of Hope, with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Now, at this point, uh, thus far largely in the story, we've been blessed to accompany Leonie through the eyes of a saint, that is St. Celie, her mother, through her mother's letters. At this stage in her life now, we are privileged to accompany Leonie through the eyes of another saint, and that is her sister Therese. So we're going to turn now to the letters of uh, Therese, and we'll look at... um, that there are a good many of them, more than we can get through here, but we'll look at enough. And um, some of what Leonie writes to Therese and a little bit more even how Therese responds to Leonie. And this is perhaps even more, well, we, we spoke of uh, that experience at age 14 when the influence of the maid was discovered and the change in Leonie as the pivotal point in her life. I would say it's the pivotal emotional point in her life. The pivotal spiritual point in her life develops through her interaction with Therese. So I would just begin to move into this a bit. So this is when uh, the following year, Leonie is 24 at this point, and Therese is uh, still at home. She's not yet in the Carmel, and she's writing a letter to her cousin, Marie Guerin. And she says, this week we're no longer cheerful at Les Buissonnets, the family home. And the reason is that Leonie is now going to make a second attempt to enter religious life. This week we're no longer cheerful at Les Buissonnets. It's the last week that Leonie is spending with us. The days are passing by rapidly and she has only two more days with us. Now, no longer cheerful here is not because they're worried about this attempt, but because they're going to lose her presence. She would be the third of the daughters to, to leave the home. You know, you had this bustling, active family with uh, Louis and his five daughters all growing. Two of them have already left. This is now the third. And so the family, in, in some sense, is being undone, at least the family life that was so beautiful. And that Therese describes so wonderfully in the story of the soul is gradually being undone at this point. Now, at this point, Leonie, when she renews her desire for religious life, she looks to the Visitation Monastery, to the Visitation Community, the one founded by St. Francis de Sales, together with uh, St. Jean de Chantal. And this is a little more evident, in a sense, because the, 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 actually the surprising thing in the Martin family is the turn toward the Carmel. Because the roots as far as religious life in the Martin family are very much in the visitation uh, community. That's where Zelie's sister uh, enters. 
That's where Pauline and Marie spend years uh, of uh, their years as boarding in boarding school there. Uh, Zeli had a, a great love and esteem for the visitation community. So you, you would expect that this is where the uh, family would turn when the daughters begin to think of religious life. In fact, Pauline, the first to enter religious life, that is where she turns when she just becomes clear that she is called to religious life. And she is already in the process of communication with the visitation monastery at Le Mans, where her aunt was and where she did her schooling to enter there. When uh, she has this uh, unexpected grace at Mass one morning in the parish church in uh, Lisieux when she's there, and she has a, a powerful experience of grace and simply knows that she is called to be a Carmelite, which is the beginning of the entrance of the Carmel into this family. In St. Ignatius' terms, that would be a, uh, an experience of a first-mode discernment. This exceptional experience when sometimes God simply makes it so clear that the person knows, uh, Ignatius says, the person is drawn to this and uh, cannot doubt, does not doubt and cannot doubt that, that he or she has seen God's will in this. And that really is um, the kind of grace that's given to Pauline so that she enters in the Carmel after her Marie and then Therese and so forth. That's where that bond comes. But Leonie's interest in the visitation is actually deeply rooted in the, uh, in the family. So there is a monastery of the uh, visitation sisters in the town of Caen, which is uh, spelled C-A-E-N, which, as I mentioned, is about 27 miles from Lisieux, going toward the coast. And this is where she has applied and where she is accepted. And so as Therese writes on this day, in just two more days, Leonie is going to be leaving them to enter religious life with the Visitation Sisters. And this is a contemplative community, so she'll be cloistered. However, what do you expect, my poor darling? A certain joy is mixed with my sorrow, and I am happy to see her dear Leonie finally in her element. She's 24 years old. Finally, she has found her path. Yes, I believe that there only will she be happy. In the visitation, she will find what she is missing in the world, in the world living secular life. And so you just get a glimpse there of the sense that Leonie is this sadness in Leonie. Uh, There's something that is not at home or not at place in her. Celine is sorry that she is unable to to write to Jean, who is the older of the two cousins. But she is so busy with all Leonie's preparations that it is impossible, getting things ready, preparing her, all that she'll need. Tell Jean that she could not imagine how touched Leonie was by her letter and yours too. She kisses you with her whole heart as well as her dear little aunt. Now, we are three months later, and Leonie has been in the Visitation Monastery as a postulant for these three months. And uh, she writes a letter to Therese from the monastery. My beloved little Therese, just striking, you know, Leonie is 24, Therese is 14, but already uh, Therese is the leader. The, the, the great, well, there were others, but I'm almost want to say it uh, as I intended to be great, a great and perhaps the great grace in Leonie's life is Therese and uh, all that Therese will become and the impact of Therese's spiritual teaching on Leonie. 
I have come to wish you a happy feast. So this is October 15th. It's the feast of St. Uh, Teresa of Avila, Therese. I know what I want the most for you. I don't have to name this grace. And this is Therese's uh, firm intention to enter the Carmel at 15 at Christmas in this same year. And she, uh, Therese is in the process of moving heaven and earth to make this happen. You know it well, privileged little child of Jesus. It is now already one year since our dear Marie is in Carmel. You were there at her departure, but I wasn't there. I had entered the poor Claire's a week before. When I think of that, I thank God for having made me leave there in order to lead me into my dear visitation where I am so happy, which makes the point that you raise, Chris, you know, that um, as she looks back now on that ill-advised attempt, two-month attempt to enter the poor Claire's, she's so grateful that it didn't work out because that closed door led her to the visitation where she perceives her vocation truly lies. So she says, having made me leave there in order to lead me into our dear visitation where I am so happy, in spite of the thorns which pierce my heart at times. So you get an indication that even though she speaks of herself as very happy there, and I'm certain sincerely says so, it's not all easier. It's not all going entirely easily for her. But what is that in comparison with the poor Claire's? So she must have really suffered when she was with the poor Claire's. It must have been really hard. What happens every time with Leonie is when she gets in these situations of stress is that among other physical problems and emotional struggles, her eczema flares up. And so you get this uh, full body eczema that it just causes this unsupportable itch, you know, that throughout the entirety of her body, throughout all of her life in times of stress, this would happen. These are roses which I trample under my feet at times through my cowardliness, for it will take a lot to make me a saint. So at times, instead of receiving these roses, these sacrifices and struggles from the Lord, I trample them under my feet. I, I reject them. I don't receive them well. But little by little, we approach, you get a glimpse there of the way Leonie will always speak of herself, you know, just seeing the limitations um, in herself. And as I said earlier, the great struggle in her life is going to be dealing with this. How do you respond to this sense of self? But little by little, we approach this just the same with the grace of God. So she has hope. Since the day I saw you, uh, Therese with Celine had come to visit her at the monastery in Kang. I've exerted many efforts. However, I could still do better for our Lord. I feel it. Ah, how I'd like to throw myself courageously into every sacrifice. And this is one thing, too, about Leonie, the desire that she expressed many years earlier when the family was just so taken aback to hear her describe it, to be a true religious, to be a saint. Uh, that never fades. That always remains strong in, uh, in Leonie. And you see it here too. I'd, how I'd like to throw myself courageously into every sacrifice. You see, dear little sister, it does me good to talk with you. I know that you understand me in spite of your young age. So I want to confide to you one of the greatest desires of my soul, which is intimate union with Jesus. Very interesting to see how she perceives Therese is the, you know, the leader. Therese is the, um, the guide. And Leonie senses that even though she's so much younger, 
it's just helpful for me to share these with you. And when she shares what she calls one of the greatest desires of my soul, what is it? Which is intimate union with Jesus. For the one who possesses Jesus possesses all. There's, there is material here, so to speak, if I can use this word stuff, in which God can work with all of the human liabilities and frailties. He is the treasure of treasures. In him alone we find our joy and not in the creature. There we find only sorrow and sadness of every kind. And you can hear the heart of this 24-year-old woman speaking who has only known sadness and sorrow in her life, for whom nothing has worked out, who is constantly reminded of her inferiority in so many ways within the family. Where does her heart turn? And her heart turns with, with, with a certain power and energy, I would say, toward the Lord. There's the, he is the treasure of treasures. Because our heart is made solely for God, he alone can fill it entirely. It is too big for the world. So what folly to have much attachments for, too much attachment for creatures. Isn't that true? You know this. This is a theme that you get in the letters of all of the Martin sisters. It's not just Leonie. And I think they would have absorbed this from their parents who always spoke this way as well. Creatures would mean anything in this world and people and how only God finally satisfies the human heart. This was uh, deeply ingrained in the spiritual life of the entire Martin family. I can judge it by my own experience for until now I have not known how to control my poor heart. Almost don't need to comment on that. You, dear little sister, and so she looks at Therese. Things are so different for you. In fact, the, the comparison is striking. Therese's struggle throughout her life will be not to allow herself to be captured by the praise she receives because she is so intelligent. She is, uh, she's pretty. She is lively. She is so emotionally uh, rich that Throughout her life, her issue will be, and she'll, and even later when her sisters in the last years of her life realize something of the depth of her sanctity, you see it in her last conversations, for example, people will say all of the say things in praise of her, and she'll find clever ways to turn them aside. It's exactly the opposite for Leonine, because all of the feedback that she receives is always, you're, you're, you're less than others, you're the problem. Uh, we don't know what to do with you. You failed in this studies already now in one attempt to enter religious life and so forth. So she says to Therese, you dear little sister, God has so enraptured your, your very pure heart that you have not known all the agonies to which foolish, foolish affections give rise. So Jesus will have your heart in all its freshness. May your heart be a thousand times blessed. I take delight in this for your sake which is a lovely thing in Leonie and permits us to say something, maybe we've already said it. Very easily, Leonie could have fallen into envy and jealousy of her sisters, so much more favored than she. And you never find the slightest trace ever throughout her life in Leonie of any kind of jealousy toward her sisters. And here she says, I take delight in this, in your freshness, your closeness to the Lord. I take delight in this for your sake, which is a lovely movement of other-centeredness here in Leonie. Pardon me, darling, for not having sent you this letter for your feast. 
So she wanted to get it to Therese for October 15th. It was begun on Friday, but until now I've been so busy that it was impossible to finish it. And you know that I need more time than others for writing. And I explain myself so badly that you are going to have trouble understanding me. In fact, uh, she would uh, writing was slow and laborious and difficult for her. And she's very well aware of it. And as you see, ex uh, describes herself as explaining herself very badly. Um, that slowness would cause her, uh, cause her suffering throughout her life. Things that other people could do in just a minute you know, would take her much longer to get done, and it would be frustrating for people. And that was something that she would live with throughout all of her life. I have prayed very much for you all day, and this morning especially in my Holy Communion. This is all I can offer you. You, you see this uh, throughout the correspondence. I'll just mention it now. For their various feast days or birthdays or remembrances, what the sisters do is that they offer a communion, sometimes three or five communions for the one that they're celebrating, with the awareness that this is the greatest gift that I can give you, uh, to give you Jesus as I receive him in communion. And so Leonie is doing that here for Therese for her feast day. You know that now I have nothing uh, to offer but my poor prayers. Now that I'm in the monastery, I can't go out and get a gift for you. Tomorrow is the 17th, the feast of our blessed sister, Margaret Mary, St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. You know that she cured me miraculously, so she refers back to the novena that her aunt made when she was such a young child. You know my devotion to her. She is no stranger to the joy I have in being at the visitation, this blessed order whose glory she is. Pray for me, in order that, if necessary, she will obtain a second miracle so that I become a holy visitation sister. Now, this is written in October, three months after her entrance. Three months later, in January of the following year, Leonie has to leave. And again, she is uh, simply unable to, to live the, the life in community. Now, there's a factor here at play. The novice mistress was uh, young, she wasn't even uh, 30, and certainly with very good intention, but uh, she tended to be strict and austere. And that was the training that she gave the postulants. And uh, Leonie was not the only one to have difficulty with this, but as we've said a number of times, Leonie never did well with uh, strictness and austerity, or in some cases, harshness. And she always blossomed when she was treated with gentleness. And so this time she has a sister in charge of her who with, I'm sure, very good will, but um, takes this austere approach, you know, curb the emotions and uh, overcome your defects. And of course, you can see Leonie's slowness, her struggle to, to fit in. Uh, you have this very structured life in the monastery. And what happens is that both emotionally and physically, Leonie is simply unable to, to live up to this. And she lasts for six months, but um, finally has to surrender. Again, the uh, eczema uh, flowers up. Uh, she has a kind of bronchitis-like cough and so on. She becomes too frail uh, and just simply uh, cannot survive this and is obliged to return home a second time. It seems as though, and just from listening to the letter, listening to the 
what was going on at that particular monastery and its leadership, the novitiate, the novice master of that time. So there's a difference. Remember how they would talk about Zeli and her aunt that being gentle. They treated her with gentleness as apart from the austere or a more strict. And the word that popped up in my mind was flexibility. With certain persons in dealing with them, you need to be a bit more flexible in dealing with them. I recall you telling us about Zelle and how some family members would criticize her because she was being too gentle or maybe too flexible in accommodating Leonie's needs. And there's a balancing act, isn't there, in any religious order, in any business, in, in any family situation, between that fine line of discerning what the most important thing, maintaining the structure or allowing that gentleness or flexibility to adapt. And that seems kind of be at play a little bit here. And I, I suppose many people out there wonder that same question about how to deal with their kids or with others that they have interactions with. Yes, that would be the issue. I mean, you name it really well. The monastery does have its life. A certain order has to prevail. They can only uh, absorb a certain amount of difficulty with this. And of course, that's what the whole process of formation, being a postulant and a novice is about, is to see whether there really is a fit there. I would say there is another factor here that this young sister who was in charge with such good intentions, but with this more austere approach. And let's keep in mind that the life in the monastery then, by our standards today, was was really very physically demanding. Uh, you didn't have heat in most of the monastery, and this is in northern France, you know, snow in the winters and so on. Certain parts of the year, there was no breakfast. You just had two meals for a number of months. And uh, this is one of the things that, for example, the sister, she could have, she had the freedom to allow things to be a little easier for these young women who are just beginning and trying to adapt. But she takes the more, with good intentions, but she takes the more severe approach. And uh, Leonie, as I mentioned, was not the only one who just was not able to endure this. Uh, others also, you know, left. And of course, Leonie, with her fragilities, you can imagine that this would just not be possible. One of the reasons why uh, the visitation is a better fit for uh, Leonie than the Carmel is because life in the Carmel is much more severe at this time than life in the visitation. Francis de Sales, you know, the saint of gentleness, um, he consciously crafted a religious life that would be possible for women who could not live the more austere and harsh regime in other religious communities. And so a, a certain flexibility, which is a great word, um, leniency, availability, and adaptability to the needs of the various ones would certainly be very much in keeping with the visitation. But unfortunately, Leonie does not find that in her second attempt to enter religious life, and so she returns home. And you can imagine the uh, humiliation, the sadness, 25 years old now, twice failed at religious life, no other door seems open to her. And actually, just a few months after she returns home, she returns home in January of that year. 
And uh, just three months later, Therese leaves the home to enter uh, the Carmel. So three of her sisters are now in the Carmel, and she is at home at this point. After Therese's entrance into the Carmel, within a matter of weeks, uh, really, she enters in April, and by June already, the severe problems with their father's health begin now, the mental crisis that takes place. Celine has also told him that perhaps in retrospect, it wasn't the best timing. What happened was that Celine had done a painting and shown it to her father. Celine was the most gifted as regards um, artwork in the family. And uh, her father was uh, really very, very um, pleased by the painting. And he suggested that Celine might like to go to Paris and get lessons in, uh, from a master in painting. And it's at that point that Celine tells him that her intention is to enter the Carmel. And very shortly after that, within a matter of a few weeks, her, her father's health breaks. There had been some steps leading up to this, but the serious break happens at this time when he simply disappears and uh, nobody knows where he's gone. They only find him when he communicates back with them because he needs money. They're able to locate him where he is and bring him home. And then you have these uh, scenes where he thinks the family is under attack and they find that he has a revolver, possibly with this confused intention of defending his family. The situation becomes so serious that finally they have him enter an institution for people who are mentally handicapped, actually in this uh, same city of Caen, where um, Leonie made her attempt in the Visitation Monastery. So life changes dramatically now for the entire family, and in a special way for Celine and Leonie, who are the two who are not in religious life and who take up the task of caring for their father. For some months, they live as guests in a religious community in Caen, and they're visiting their father. Finally, the visits are reduced to once a week. Their uncle insists that they come back to Lisieux and just travel once a week rather than spending uh, the whole time there. And so Leonie goes through all of this together with Celine. And this will be largely the situation. Well, after uh, some time in the institution, a few years there, their father's legs become paralyzed. And so from that time on, he will uh, be placed in a, in a kind of, um, not a, really a wheelchair, it's a much larger wooden contraption, but which serves that purpose. And which actually, after his death, will be given to the Carmel, and Therese will use it in the last uh, weeks of her life as well. But once he is no longer able to walk, there's no need for him anymore to be in the institution because he can't escape and simply wander off. And so they're able to bring him home. At this point, the family life in Les Buissonnets is completely undone. And they, they find a place to live near the Guerin family. And Celine and Leonie take care of their father together with some help. So Leonie lives through all of this. As this is unfolding, a point comes when she is now 30 years old. Uh, so another five years have passed when the thought of religious life returns again. And she feels the desire to make another attempt to enter religious life. And so she communicates again with that same monastery of the Visitation Sisters in Kung. And actually, even throughout these years, when they're there with their father and so on, and her, uh, her 
cousin Jean is married and is living in that same city. So there are regular trips there, and she will always visit the visitation community, which uh, keeps a, a very warm place, conserves a very warm place in her heart. And so she is in communication with the sisters there, and everything is arranged for her to make a second try, which will be her third try, to become a religious, a second try with the visitation community. You've been listening to A Sister of St. Therese, Servant of God, Leonie Martin, Bearer of Hope, with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it on the Discerning Hearts free app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for A Sister of St. Therese, Servant of God, Leonie Martin, Bearer of Hope, with Father Timothy Gallagher.